Praise God. This morning, I want to share a message on total forgiveness. Forgiveness, you all know, is very important in Scripture. Forgiveness is at the center of the gospel, isn't it? Because God gave his son to die for our sins so that we can be free. So God gives us a free gift of forgiveness. And because God has given that to us, he's looking for us as his people to also release forgiveness. But it's hard for us. Let's be honest. To release forgiveness is hard and it's a process. But it's very important. Did you notice the first song that Christy sang for us? Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. And it's there right in the Lord's Prayer. Let's look at Matthew 6, 12. Right there in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And then in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, this is Jesus speaking. These are really important words. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. Whoa. This is something to be taken serious. This, these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. If we choose not to forgive, God will not forgive our sin. If my sin is not forgiven, and I come to the end of my life, I will go to hell. Yes, yes. If our sins are not forgiven, we will go to hell because you cannot enter heaven the sin. So these are very serious words. Jesus made it so plain. And most of us know it, but it's still hard. It can be still hard. But it's so, so, so important. Um, Reinhard Bonnke, the famous evangelist, used to say that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will suffer or die. So unforgiveness is poison. It leads to sickness. It leads to hell. That's the truth. The eternal consequences of unforgiveness are much more serious than the consequences in this life. Now, those of you that are from Nigeria, you have to forgive my pronunciation of this 
Nigerian pastor. His name was Daniel Ekoshuru. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. A pastor in Nigeria died in a car accident in 2001. This is a true story. You can look it up, it's documented, there's evidence with death certificates. There's a lot of evidence of this account. He died, what happened was, he had, he fell out with his wife. They had a row. And he, he said his wife had done something wrong. They, they got angry with each other and she slapped his face. And he was so insulted. Next day, he would not speak to her. She reached out her hand for reconciliation, but he turned the other way. He would not. He went into his car. While he was in his car, there was an accident, and it was very serious, and they tried to pull him out. He was seriously injured. He was taken from one hospital to another hospital. In one of the ambulances, as he was going along, he knew that he was dying. He was a pastor, remember. He started to pray, and he's asking God to forgive him all these different things because he knows now, I'm dying. When you know you're dying, there's no messing around, is there? Time is short. So he's praying and he's asking God to forgive him various things. But he dies. He was dead for 42 hours. So he was taken from, for whatever reasons, they decided to move him to another hospital, another morgue, and they've got all these physicians that signed death certificates. And, and verify this man is totally dead. His corpse was stiff. But that night, his wife had a dream, and in the dream, she saw him coming and saying to him, I am not dead. I am not dead. You need to take me to so and so church. Take the body to this church because I am not dead. I'm going to be resurrected. So the wife, who had continuously prayed for her husband, takes, gets the body, is in a casket, and takes it to this big church where it so happened that Ryla Bonke is going to be preaching. Ryla Bonke doesn't know anything about it. There's a dead body downstairs in this big church. They wouldn't allow it into the main service, but they put the body and downstairs. And then during the service, suddenly the body starts to twitch. <laughs> And the body comes back to life. Now, he's been injected with this embalmer, these chemicals and all sorts of things. But his body come alive. The, the key thing, he was for 42 hours he was dead. God brought him back to life. But the most important thing about the story is what he experienced when he was dead. He said, he knew he was dying, he was praying to God, two angels came. And so he left his body, he could look down and he could see there was his body, but his spirit and his soul went up with the angels. And the angels took him and said they were going to show him things. They showed him heaven and then they went to the gates of hell and the angel went like this and the gate of hell opened and he went in and he saw hell, which was a terrible place. And while he was there and the angel was talking to him, the angel said to him, if today had been your day, 
this is where you will go. And he's like, I'm a pastor. And the angel showed him the scriptures. If you do not forgive your heavenly father. So he, he said in his spirit, he knew instantly this was truth. Because he had refused to forgive his wife. And the prayers of repentance he did in the car for other things, God did not answer those prayers because of unforgiveness. You see, unforgiveness is a hindrance. His, those prayers were not answered because he refused to forgive. That's why it's such a serious message. But, but then the angel said, but your time is not today. But you need to go and you need to warn the church. You need to warn. You need to warn. They came back alive. Preaching the full gospel. The mercy of God. You see, God is merciful. But he is not changing his word for any of us. We have to come into alignment with the word of God. Not the other way around. I knew this mighty woman of God. Um, she even was a missionary to China for a period of time. She was a great preacher and um, it was a, she was an amazing woman of God. But what I uh, discovered was at her deathbed, God sent another preacher to go and speak to her. God had given this man the word of knowledge and said, you have unforgiveness in your heart towards these brethren and that church over there. And she had a grudge in her heart because she had donated a large amount of money to that church. But the way that they spent that money, she disagreed with. She didn't agree with how they had whatever building project or whatever. But God was merciful before she died. He sent a person to say, you have unforgiveness in your heart. She repented and then she went home to the Lord. See how important it is? If God doesn't give us that last chance, we have, we have to respond. We have to respond. These are the words of Jesus. So, so, so important. There is a story in the Bible of Joseph which is a marvelous example of <clears throat> how we can release forgiveness. But you will, when you read the story of Joseph, you also realize it takes years. It took him years. It's a journey to get to total, complete forgiveness. Do you know the story of the Bible of Joseph? Yes? You know it? You know about Joseph? He was... Jacob's favorite son. So the other brothers, they got jealous of him. Now when Joseph was just a boy, God had already anointed him and he was having these dreams. And then when he's sharing it, this was, he wasn't very wise because he was only a boy. And he's sharing with his family that they are all going to bow down to him and they are going, who do you think you are? You see, it wasn't really wise of him to share it. So that made the brothers hate him even more. And you know the story how the brothers tricked him 
and they actually sold him off. They were first they had decided they were going to kill him, but then they relented and they sold him off as a, as a slave to Egypt. And then he ended up in Potiphar's house. And he was doing really, really well there until Potiphar's wife said, come and sleep with me. And he said, no, I cannot sin against God. I cannot sin against God. So he fled and the wife took revenge and accused him of attacking her. And so he was put in prison. So he went from bad to worse. And there he is in prison and he's interpreting these dreams and he's, he's saying, oh, remember me when you get back out from Pharaoh. Oh, yeah, 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 I'll remember you. But the person never remembered him. Because he said, I've been in prison, but I haven't done anything wrong. He's constantly justifying himself. And then, of course, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and he became the prime minister, the second in charge of all of Egypt, because by this time the wisdom of God was with him and the hand of God was upon him. And he had the wisdom how they were to store up the food during the seven rich years so that they wouldn't starve during seven years of famine. And then his brothers came from Israel, they came into Egypt looking to buy food and he recognizes them. There he is, face to face with the very ones that caused him all this pain, that caused him to be in prison, that caused him to be falsely accused, that separated him from his father all these years. Oh, can you imagine the pain in his heart? And he's seeing his brothers, and he's kind of playing with them a bit. But we want to just read this story from Genesis 45, starting at verse 1. Joseph could stand it no longer. This is the New Living Translation. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you! So he was alone with his brothers. When he told them who he was, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing in front of them. Don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine has ravaged the land for two years, for the last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. This is an amazing story that we are coming to in Joseph's life. After all this torment, all this wrong that was done to Joseph, really his father sinned against him by preferring him above all the other sons because that made all his brothers pick on him, you see? 
And his brother sinned against him. Potiphar's wife and Potiphar sinned against him. There was lots of things done to him that was not his fault. Do you see that? Do you see that? It was not his sin. It was the other people's sin that impacted him. And here it says, starts off by saying, Joseph could stand it no longer. And so he sends all the other people out. He sends all the other people out and he reveals who he is. And the first thing that, you, that is a sign of when we release forgiveness is when we release forgiveness the way that God forgives us. It says in scripture that God chooses not to remember our sin anymore. Do you know that? He chooses not to remember. Psalm 103 verse 12. He has removed our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. And then in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 and 5. This is talking about love. And God's love is like this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. The NIV says it keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. That really hit me. Because very often when we are wrong, ah, we need to remember that. Don't we? We remember the pain. We remember the injustice. And it is in there. We maybe say, oh, I forgive. But at the back of our head, the next time that person irritates us, we still remember. But it's not how God forgives. He chooses not to remember. Keeps no record of wrong. Erase delete it's deleted from the memory from the computer and God says that is how I forgive and I'm telling you that is how you should forgive Joseph Joseph revealed himself to his brothers but you can tell the way he speaks to them is he is not keeping any records of wrong He's saying, it was not you that did it, it was God's doing. Because he could see God turned it around for good. God turned it around for good. That he was going to say through this. God turns everything around for good. It doesn't mean that the sin wasn't a sin. But Joseph chose to forgive. And to see God's hand in the picture. So for us to get to complete forgiveness, it means no record of wrong. No record of wrong. No record of wrong. That's so powerful. Isaiah 43, verse 25, the Lord says, I, yes, I alone, will blot out your sins for my own sake. I will never think of them again. 
New King James says, and I will not remember your sins. Now if you, you've been wronged and you are called upon to testify in a court of law, then of course you will, uh, you will tell the truth and you should. Because it's the right thing to also protect other people from being harmed. But apart from that, you shouldn't have, and we've released forgiveness, we should have no record of wrong, meaning we're not remembering it, we're not thinking about it, we're not bringing it back up and saying, I remember what you did to me, after saying that we were going to forgive. He said to them, don't be afraid. He had totally forgiven his brothers. And then he said, do not be angry with yourself. So it's not saying, I forgive you, but I really hope you feel the pain that I've had. No. He said, don't be angry with yourself. And when he sent them on the way to his father, before they left, he said, now, do not squabble between you on the way home. He knew his brothers. They were going to say, yeah, you were the worst. You, you were the one that came up with that. No, it was really you. He said, no, no, you are not going to talk about this on the way home. And the most amazing thing about the story of Joseph is the father never heard about it. Because afterwards, they came with the brothers and the father came and the father had something like another 17 years that he lived in Egypt. And the father never knew what the brothers did to Joseph. Joseph slipped up. No record of wrong. He never told his father. He never told anyone else. That is total forgiveness. That is what God is doing for us. God is not the accuser of the brethren. That's the devil. When God forgives, it's gone. And so the Lord is inviting us to step into total forgiveness as well. Joseph allowed them to save face. Genesis 45, 5, for God sent me before you to preserve life. It's almost too good to be true, like the gospel. The gospel is so good. And forgiveness, forgiveness is like that. He allowed his brothers to save face. He protected them from their darkest secrets. So forgiveness is something, we start off saying, I choose to forgive, but then the thoughts come back. Do you ever, ever that happened to you? Well, am I the only one that's happened to? But you say you've forgiven somebody, and then you're lying in your bed at night, and the record is running. That was really painful. They shouldn't have done this. It's going round and round. Uh, that's the record of wrong playing. <laughs> that's the record of wrong playing. Because it's hard for us. Why is it hard for us? Because we got hurt. 
It's painful. And we need the love of God to come and bring the healing. And when God brings the healing, we know we still know the facts of what happened, but the pain subsides and the pain goes. There's a wonderful text that I made from Corrie Ten Boom, how God challenged her to forgive the Nazis that put her in concentration camp. And she's at this meeting, and here is this German coming, and she recognized he was the guard that caused her sister to die. And as he comes up, oh, the pain. None of us have lived through a concentration camp and watched our very sister die such painful death. And he comes and he says, Can you, I've come to know Christ, can you forgive me? Can you forgive me? And she was thinking, I hate this man, what he did to my sister. She had to dig deep into the Word of God and it says that's the Holy Spirit that puts the love of God inside of us so that we can love like He did. And she chose to do it and reach out her hand and say, I forgive you. And she felt the love of God flooding. It's a supernatural transaction. His love coming into our lives, allowing us to forgive those who have hurt. It's a supernatural transaction. Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Very often, we want to be the judge, don't we? We want revenge, but it's not scriptural. God is the judge. Do you know when you want to, you want the other person to feel the hurt, that means you want to be the judge? Do you know what in effect you're doing? You're saying, God, excuse me a moment, God, could you please get off your throne and let me sit there for a moment because I want to be the judge for that person that hurt my beloved. That's what we are doing. We're not trusting God to be the judge. We think that we can be the judge. We who see only from one angle, we only see a little bit. That's why he's saying, don't. Never take revenge. Never take revenge. When someone violates us, we make them evil along with the evil that they do. But we need to learn to separate between the sin and the sinner. God separates the two. God didn't create us as sinners. He created us 
sons and daughters. Let's remember that. We are created as sons and daughters. Hebrews 12:15 warns us if we don't release forgiveness, it says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. If we don't release the forgiveness and work in towards total forgiveness, that, forgive, that unforgiveness can become bitterness. Why does Paul call it a root? A root is something you don't see it, but you see the effects of it. And unless the root is removed, if you're in the garden and you've got dandelions and you just pull the top off, <laughs> you know what will happen. It's going to come back. It's still growing. The root needs to be dealt with. We need to deal with the root. It has to be pulled out by the root, the root of bitterness. Because if we don't deal with the roots of the bitterness, it will grow. Bitterness is a principality of the enemy. It's like acid eating away at our soul. First it poisons the mind and then it poisons the body. And so we end up with sicknesses in our body because we haven't dealt with the root in our mind and in our soul. If we are having flashbacks about how people have hurt us, that's an indication that that's records are wrong and that we haven't come to total forgiveness yet. Unforgiveness can lead to this bitterness, can lead to resentment, which can lead to anger, hatred, violence, can even lead to death. Matthew 18 verses 21 to 22, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. It's like you're saying, okay Lord, surely there has to be a limit to this. We can't just continue just to forgive and then forgive again and then forgive again. Surely there has to be a limit. And Jesus says, every minute of the day, be ready to forgive. Every minute of the day, hand it over to the Lord. Every minute of the day. Because if we have a root, any root left of unforgiveness, then we are carrying somebody else's sin in our lives. Some don't let another person's sin contaminate you and God has paid the price for you to be totally free. I know many of you have been hurt and I know many of you have been hurt in churches. Church 
God's family. In the natural, a lot of people are hurt in their family. Why does it hurt so badly when it's in the family? Because you don't expect it, because these are the people that are supposed to protect you and love you. You have the same expectation when you come to the house of God. These are your brothers and sisters, and yet sometimes you get hurt. I'm going to ask Melvin and Richard to come and stand beside me. They don't know anything about this. This wasn't planned. But I'm going to ask them to stand here to represent church leadership. As you know, last week we celebrated Richard being ordained Church of Scotland Minister for 30 years. So he represents the traditional church. Melvin and I represent church leadership as well. Before God today, we want to apologize to you where you have been hurt by church leadership. I'm just going to pray. Father God, as leaders of the church, we ask that you forgive us. But we have mistreated people and caused hurt and not represented you as we should have. Oh God, forgive us. Forgive us, Father, for not loving as we should have. Forgive us, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Apply the blood of Jesus. And to you, I'm now talking to the people here, or people listening online, and you've been hurt by pastors, leaders. I am sorry. I apologize that the place that should have been safe for you was not. I ask that you release forgiveness. Forgive us for letting you down. Stand in unity with that and stand in unity with that message about the need for total, complete forgiveness for setting people free. So, if traditional church like to call that um, has harmed or hurt you in any way, I do seek your total forgiveness for that. I ask for your release. And may the peace of God come and set on you as forgiveness is released. So, in that of so called traditional church, um, yeah, please forgive. Please release and please receive uh, an apology and the need for forgiveness. May peace be between us. Amen. Amen. Yes, we just, for all the other churches which are not um, the traditional church, we will also um, just say and ask that you will forgive as Jesus forgave. And that you would join with the rest of your friends 
brothers and sisters, so that the church and everybody's lives may move forward, knowing the forgiveness of the Father, which is so precious. Thank you, Richard and Melba. Thank you. I'm going to ask Kevin to put up the, the prayer. Now I'm inviting all of us to come before Father God to do business with God. I'm asking you if you would like to say this prayer, asking God to help you to release forgiveness. I can't imagine that any of you here that have never been hurt by other people. I can't imagine that you could possibly live and not be hurt by other people. So I think it probably applies to all of us. But if you would like to ask God to help you to release forgiveness to those that hurt you, then stand to your feet now and we'll say this prayer together. Stand to your feet if you want to say this prayer. And let's say this prayer out loud, it's over two pages. Lord, I have a confession to make. I have not always loved, but have dissented certain people and have unforgiveness in my heart. I call upon you, Lord, to help me forgive them. It is my will and desire to forgive them from my heart. Take the unforgiving spirit away and take all the hurt and pain away. I now forgive. Now take a moment now. Let the Holy Spirit remind you of names of people you need to forgive. And then you just say the names out loud. You say that like you just say the first name or the second name or whatever. It, you're speaking to God. You're speaking to God. Release forgiveness. Just do that. And don't forget to include yourself if you need to also forget yourself. Sometimes we're really hard on ourselves. And God has forgiven us, but we are still beating ourselves up. So maybe you also need to forgive yourself. I forgive myself, God. I forgive myself. slide together and I ask you to forgive them also Lord. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. It's a, it's a good principle in scripture to pray for those. Pray for those people.